Kid Jesus. Go. Good morning. Welcome to another edition of the Spoken Word 
I'm your host, Bishop Talbert Swam II. And as usual, we'll be telling it like it is through cultural idioms and nuances that shape the order, ethos, and chaos of the African-American experience. Words have their own vitality. They shape their own consciousness, create their own context for interpreting social and spiritual reality. The spoken word contains the power to reshape the landscape of society. Two minutes past the hour of 9 a.m. on this beautiful Monday morning, the Monday after Father's Day, I want to wish all of the dads out there a happy belated Father's Day. And I hope that your fathers, they went well and they appreciated you as they should. I keep reminding y'all that Father's Day in the black community is an opportunity to honor fathers. It is not a soapbox to talk about um, deadbeat fathers and, and your baby daddy and, you know, how he don't take care of his kid and all of that kind of stuff that 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 ain't what this is that that's not what this is about okay this is about honoring our fathers uh, that are out there on their grind every day doing what they're supposed to do um take care of their children and and their families and um you know uh, i Hey, I feel bad for your situation, but don't try to make every situation your situation. All right, all right. So let's, you know, let's 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 be fair. Now on Mother's Day, you know, regardless of of how many bad mothers may be out there, we don't spend Mother's Day talking about bad mothers, talking about mothers um, that are on drugs, talking about mothers who don't take care of their children, mothers who. Uh, you know, do this and that. We don't do that, and we shouldn't. Um, you know, we we give we give the proper respect to our mothers, and we honor them. Uh, but somehow, in our community, when Father's Day roll around here, y'all think that's a venting day. You know, uh, you you think it's time to vent about your baby's daddy and all of this and that and either. no. No, we honor our fathers, all right? That's what we do. So to all of the dads out there, kudos to you uh, for what you do every day. Um, I want to honor Father Fred Swan. Um, I want to honor my Uncle Talbert Swan, for whom I'm named, who's been like a father to me all of my life. I want to honor my brothers, um, my brothers Fred, Jonathan, and... Patrice, uh, all excellent fathers. I want to honor my sons, Tyler, Trey, and Talbert, all excellent fathers. Um, and I want to honor all of my brothers out there um, that are just doing what comes naturally uh, to a man. Uh, you know, being that priest, that provider, and that protector, uh, taking care of their families, their spouses, their communities, uh, we honor you. So in honor of you, um, I'm going to play this song, Daddy Talks, you know, some wisdom um, coming from the father. And then I'm going to get right into our conversation, talking today about um, talking about police accountability. And some of you know that in the city of Springfield, um, our 
city council is prepared to sue the city to bring about true civilian review and oversight. Um, we're going to be talking about civilian review of the police. I'm going to have several of our city councilors on. Tell a friend, tell somebody that the bishop is on the air, no matter what social platform you're on. Like, share, subscribe, send those hearts up. Uh, do what you need to do right after this. We're coming right back. Stay with us. Too low, so set your sights a little higher. River. Eagles fly by themselves. If you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. Allow your challenges to be a stepping stone to propel you into new possibilities. So be discontent with your past accomplishment. You're only as great last success so maintain your hunger and your passion remember this within every seed there is a tree in every tree there is a forest who and what you were born into is simply the environment to prepare you for your ultimate purpose it was not a setback it was a setup your purpose and potential is bigger than your past pain or problem Listen to your heart, don't let your mind fool you. Remember the talk that we gave you. Whatever you do is gonna surely come back to you. Successful people will do the things they hate to get the things that they love. Much of life is about sacrifice. You gotta give up something to get something. Success is not about what you've accomplished, but it's what you have overcome. For it's the test that you pass in life which qualifies you for the next level. You have to be willing to face your challenges and overcome them. Most people drive 12 miles a year moving forward. The most accidents are caused when they move backwards. You gotta stay focused on what's ahead of you instead of what's behind you. It's your daily routine that determines your success or failure. Whatever you practice in is what you become great at. What's more important than being intelligent is having the right attitude. Respect costs you nothing, but it will cost you everything not to have it. 
So don't be too smart for your own good. Remember, her head makes us off behind. What's more important than your five senses is common sense. The heart of a fool is in his mouth, but the heart of a wise man is in his character. So don't sweat the small things. Yet for a short temper is a long walk. We slow to speak, quick to listen, and remember this. You gotta live longer without everything. Your character is what matters most. Once you have been labeled with a bad reputation, it's hard for people to see you any other way. A good name is worth more than all the money in the world. Your life is broken up into three parts. First you learn, then you earn, then you return. You gotta give back. Yes, sir. You got to give back. That's what my daddy taught me. Uh, that's what he taught all of us. Uh, and so that's what we try to do. Uh, try to give back uh, to the community. Um, you know, best we can. 90.7 WTCC. Good morning. Good morning to my Facebookers, my Periscopers, uh, my YouTubers. Matter of fact, I need to make sure folk know my YouTube is uh, is live. So let me share that with folk. And then I'm glad I said that because that just reminded me I need to I need to pull in my Instagrammers. Man, they be feeling <clears throat> left behind because I get on here and I. Sometimes forget to pull in my Instagrammers, and I found out a whole lot of folk, um, you know, are Instagrammers. Um, so I gotta pull them in. Um, coming up momentarily, uh, several of our city councilors here in the city of Springfield, but I think this topic is relevant. Uh, across America because uh, civilian review of police is necessary everywhere um, and it's it's my perspective um, that too many citizens have experienced unjust targeting uh, humiliation loss of physical freedom um, and even physical harm at the hands of police for there not to be true civilian review um, and collected data will show this this is not some new phenomenon okay um you know this is this is not the perspective of just a few activists there are many residents that have lost faith in the complaint process as it stands um some you know, even believe that they'll suffer by using it, that, that the courts will target them uh, if they complain against the police. Um, so they, they won't even use uh, the complaint process. So, you know, that's a problem. That is a problem. Um, you know, when, when people feel like uh, they've been abused by police and because of the tactics of the police, um, um, they will retaliate if they file charges. Uh, not, not a good thing. Not a good thing. 
So we've got to have true civilian review. You know, just got to have it. And and that goes around the board. And there are far too many departments um, that still are on this antiquated thing of a police commissioner so that the mayor can control um, what happens within the police department. Case in point, uh, here in Springfield, um, we had an issue with them reinstating five police officers that were a criminal indictment. We pushed and pushed and pushed for them to resuspend those officers. Uh, finally, when the mayor decided that that he would do it, um, um, he made the announcement. And then the police commissioner, who adamantly defended her decision in the first place, said she agreed with the mayor, which means basically the mayor's calling the shots and the police commissioner is not. I mean, that's, that, that's what it is. Um, the mayor is running the police department. Mayors, a politician should not run police departments. They shouldn't. It's possible to protect and serve our residents without violating the integrity of the police profession and without infringing on the civil rights of any of us. That That is possible to do. They haven't learned how to do that because they resist civilian review. Um, think about this just for a moment. Our counselors, I see, are, are gathering in the background. Um, um, think about this for a moment. Police officers all over America are resigning because they perceive they can no longer abuse and murder unarmed black people without accountability. Think about that just for a minute. I'm quitting my job as a cop because you're taking away my right to kill black people with no consequences. This is why they're resigning. Half of the Atlanta Police Department, half. I see that this is why this is why y'all have to be careful when you throw out those numbers. Ninety-nine percent of cops are good cops, and it's just a few bad apples. When fifty percent of the police force starts out sick with the blue flu because they're mad that a murderer got charged with murder. That flies in the face of this whole concept that 99% of them are good cops. Good cops don't get mad because bad cops who murder people get charged. They don't get mad and call out sick. And if 50% of Atlanta police call out sick and are protesting a murderer being charged, at least 50% of Atlanta police are bad cops. So that throws that whole 99% cops out the window. When two police officers can put a 75-year-old man, fracture his skull and paralyze him, and 57 police in Buffalo resign from that special unit because they're mad that you cannot paralyze elderly people and get away with it, None of them are good cops. Come on, man. Let's just be serious. Just be serious. 
So let me give you the backdrop before I introduce um, our guests. I see City Council President Hirsch and Councilor Tracy Whitfield are on deck waiting for us. So the history of this goes like this. When the control board imposed retirement on Paul Amira, because that's the history of it, they imposed retirement on then police chief Paul Amira. Um, they abolished the police commission, uh, which was a civilian board um, that had the authority to hire, fire, discipline, promote, demote, set policy, uh, etc. So they abolished that and created the position of the police commissioner and put all of the authority of the former uh, police commission into the hands of one person. They hired at that time, it was a political hire. Um, Mitt Romney was leaving the governorship. He wasn't running for re-election because he was preparing to run for president. And his boy, who was over the executive office of public safety, Edward Flynn, uh, was hired as Springfield's first police commissioner. All right. Uh, it created a new paradigm for police community relations. And unfortunately, um, while many of our citizens believe there needs to be an independent civilian oversight of the department and its complaint system, there are those in city government who assert that there's no problem with having a single police commissioner. And so there was a complaint filed uh, with the Massachusetts Commission Against Discrimination by the Pastors Council of Greater Springfield against the Springfield Police Department. The city responded by proposing a civilian review board entirely appointed by the mayor with little or no statutory authority, no statutory authority. Um, the substantial longstanding unmet need for independent means of public accountability for Springfield uh, shouldn't be tossed aside for an advisory board that serves at the whim of the mayor. And let, let's just be clear. They try to pretend that this complaint review board was their creation. Remember the history. And I know that many listeners don't remember the history. If the pastor's council of Greater Springfield had not filed a complaint against the city, against the police department with MCAD, they never would have even created this complaint review board. They were trying to avoid any level of civilian oversight, even the appearance of civilian oversight, and they were forced to do it because a complaint was filed against them. So don't let them fool you about what we got and what we do. The intention was to never have any level of civilian review. So with that little his historical backdrop, let me um, bring on uh, our guest. Uh, I've got the president of the Springfield City Council, Mr. Justin Hirsch. Hey, Justin, what's good with you, man? How's everything? How's it going? Everything is going well, going well. Hope, hope you had a good Father's Day. Yes, yes, I did. It was relaxing. Sometimes you need it, especially considering everything that's going on. I hope yours was good as well. 
It was good. I see you were out on the golf course. <laughs> you know, you got to try and steal it, steal a game in when you can. You know, with so much going on, it's always difficult to get out. So, you know, it just gives everybody else an opportunity to beat the city councilor, which is, uh, you know, that's not hard to do, but they certainly did it on Saturday. All right, I understand. Uh, let's see. I've got with me City Council member Jesse Letterman. Jesse, what's Good happening? Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. What a great way to start right? our week. <laughs> yes, sir. Have, have, have you entered the ranks of fatherhood yet? I have not. You're working on I, it, though. We expect it in the near future, but uh, we got a couple more career developments, hopefully. We'll see. Couple more career development. All right, man. Don't be taking too long. <laughs> don't get him in trouble, you Bishop. Know, <laughs> I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, man. You know, you get a certain age, you might need a little help. I believe that. Fair, that's fair. Well, I, I'm appreciative, certainly, of uh, the many fathers and father figures in our city, including the two of you, uh, do great work to to make our city great. <laughs> And I've got city councilor Tracy Whitfield. Tracy. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, happy belated Father's Day. I know I sent both of you a text to have a great Father's Day, but um, I'm just glad to be here amongst the gentlemen. It always seemed to be the case. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Well, good morning to each of you. So, so you all um are in agreement that there needs to be civilian oversight of of the police uh to establish the principle of police accountability uh by investigating hearing citizen complaints on police activity ensuring uh, that citizens grievances have a place to turn and uh a, a place where um it will help discourage uh police misconduct uh you passed an ordinance in 2016, I believe, again in 2018, to that effect. Um, Council Letterman, talk about the ordinance that was uh, passed, what it consists of, uh, so people can have an understanding of, of, of what's what in terms of this uh, potential lawsuit. Certainly. So, you know, a brief history on uh, sort of what's happened with a police commission over the last 10 years. Of course, a police commission used to exist uh, in the city of Springfield, as, as Bishop may have gone over prior to me jumping on. And that commission was dissolved uh, by an action of the Finance Control Board, which was an unelected state-appointed board uh, that was in charge of the finances and many other aspects of the city of Springfield uh, for a period of time. Uh, and, you know, that action came as a result of looking to try to streamline things from a financial perspective and came out of a... Uh, a report uh, that was commissioned by that body. Um, but even within that report, it pointed out that many members of the community felt that a commission, a civilian commission, uh, brought the community closer together with the police department. And they felt that that was a very important aspect of governance of the police department. Uh, and so the model that, of course, was put in place following that uh, was that of a single commissioner uh, who held all authority in the police department and reported only to uh, the office of the mayor, was appointed by the office of the mayor. And so it really shrunk uh, the amount of involvement for civilians in police oversight um, and in police policy. Uh, 
And so for many years, there's been a movement among the people of Springfield and including some elected officials in Springfield to bring back a civilian police commission. Uh, and one of the reasons that I've always supported it is that I just subscribe to a political philosophy that when you're looking at government, uh, whenever you concentrate power, you are you're really setting up a recipe uh, for a lack of transparency and accountability. But when you break up that political power, you are by its very nature creating the opportunity for more transparency, more accountability and more access. And so the ordinance that originally passed the city council in 2016 uh, was a restoration of a five member civilian police commission. And this commission would have the final authority on all policy personnel decisions within the police department. One thing I think very important to note is not only would it have the, the final say on uh, discipline and complaints that are brought forward, but it would also actually govern the policy of the police department, which is something that the uh, current civilian review board that exists by executive order uh, doesn't really have a formal role in other than in review. And in 2018, uh, we updated that ordinance again to bring it more in line with the city charter. The city charter says uh, that the mayor appoints all boards and commissions and heads of department and previous ordinance had included city council confirmation. Certainly uh, that's something we would like to see, uh, but it, it's not in line with the charter as it exists currently. And so our goal as a body was to, to try to bring forward something that was supported by the community that fell in line with the laws of our city and that created broader transparency and accountability. Um, we also worked very hard to make sure that it didn't conflict with any existing contracts for commissioners at that time. And we've made very clear it's, it was never about a specific commissioner or about a specific mayor or any specific city councilors. What it is about is creating more transparency and accountability. Unfortunately, as you may have mentioned, Bishop, uh, the mayor has respectfully not appointed that board. Um, he's put another commissioner in charge of the department. And, and for that reason, the city council, um, in hopes of resolving that dispute so that we might come together to move forward on these issues, uh, has retained legal counsel. Um, some fantastic lawyers step forward to volunteer their services, uh, Tom Lesser and Michael Elio. And they'll be advising us, uh, my colleagues, of course, Councillor Whitfield, Councillor Hurst, and the rest of our body on what are our options to bring uh, enforcement of that ordinance and move forward. So, so, Councillor Hurst, um, as Councillor Letterman has stated, uh, by charter, the mayor appoints the um, members of all boards and commissions. If your ordinance has given the mayor the authority to appoint the police commission, just like he's appointed the members of this complaint review board that he claims he's now trying to give subpoena power to, why would he resist appointing a police commission that already has that subpoena power by charter um, if he still has that authority to determine who's on it? What What is this resistance about then? Yeah, no, I'm not 100% sure, to be honest with you. Uh, I think he just, I, I think as opposed to, you know, consulting with one individual and dictating what it is that he'd like to see uh, with one particular person, a single police uh, commissioner, uh, now he would just have to, um, you know, consult with five members who would probably uh, be representative of the community, certainly have some experience uh, to a certain degree in law enforcement. Uh, and I think maybe the fear is that, uh, you know, he might not have the same amount of control, which Councilor Letterman mentioned when you're talking about five people 
who also have to report to the communities in which they they live in. Um, and so, you know, I think it would be much more difficult to allow something to occur that just occurred right now, which was absolutely absurd. And that was the reinstatement of five officers who are on the criminal indictment. I just can't imagine that you'd convince anyone, uh, which is why I was shocked that Commissioner Claproot was in agreement uh, with uh, those five officers being reinstated. But the idea that you would convince five people, it just wouldn't happen. And so I'd imagine that he's a little uh, skeptical as to whether he would have the same amount of control over five people as opposed to uh, one individual commissioner. So I certainly see where his fear is at, uh, but it's something that the community wants and it's something that, uh, you know, we should take advantage of at a time like now. The one thing I will tell you is that the single commissioner, you know, while I'm not 100 percent sold, I mean, I'd love for the mayor to say, you know what, uh, you know, city council, you can um, you can identify two people of this five member commission and you can vote to confirm those two individuals. He can certainly spread the power out so it's not as political uh, and he can give anybody else that he wants to give appointment powers. Maybe he gives uh, an organization from the committee and I, I mean, from the community, you know, the ability to appoint an individual uh, police commissioner. You know, he can spread the power that way if he so chooses um, and, and to depoliticize it, as as some would say. Uh, but it's but it's really up to him. And, you know, we know that the current system right now is not working. And so because it's not working, I will support uh, whatever um, commission that we can possibly uh, move forward from a legislative standpoint. Well, that's not even that's not unheard of. I mean, uh, recently, uh, the advisory, you know, advisory board uh, came into existence and and by agreement, um, um, by host agreement, um, the mayor signed off on an agreement that allowed three persons to be appointed by uh, the casino vendor, three um, uh, persons by the council, uh, three by the by the mayor, and two others by the various um, chambers of commerce. So, so th that's not unprecedented where uh, he has acquiesced to allowing others to have the authority. Um, to make appointments. Um, Councilor Whitfield, um, Councilor Hurst said that, um, you know, he was surprised that um, Commissioner Claproot agreed uh, to or made the decision to reinstate these officers. But then when the mayor made the announcement that they were being resuspended, um, uh, she said she agreed with the mayor. So herein lies my question and my concern. If the commissioner is truly running the department and she makes a decision to reinstate the officer, when the FBI says take him off the street, she said, I'm just going to keep him inside. She has repeatedly publicly defended her decision to reinstate the officers. Uh, when the NAACP and several other counselors came out against the move, she defended her decision. And now all of a sudden, when the mayor says they're going to be resuspended, she says, I agree with the mayor. So who's really running the department? Is it the commissioner or is the mayor running the department? Um, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question, Bishop. Um, I, I would love to say that the commissioner is running the department, but I know from working with the city that all decisions go 
um, through the mayor's office when appoint when department heads are um, appointed. So I think that this might have been her decision and he backed it. And when the decision was changed, she had to back the mayor because in essence, that's who she reports to. So um, actually the mayor runs all the departments. Um, all the departments go, go to him for um, approval of certain things, especially if they're on a higher scale. Um, they have their executive level meetings they discuss um, implementations of certain um, funding, certain laws, certain rules, and he has the ultimate say. And I think that because she was appointed by him, it's just like a sense of loyalty that she would agree with um, the decision that he made to resuspend the officers. She can't make her boss look bad. So, um, you know, in essence, he, he, he runs it. She wants, she to, wants keep to keep out. her down. Yeah. Yeah. So so then let's let's flesh that out a little bit. You're right. Um, you know, all departments are run by the mayor. The mayor's appointing these heads of departments. Uh, he's gonna have a say so and supervise them as he should. However, by charter, certain departments, certain um, segments of the city, um, it provided some level of oversight to at least give the appearance of transparency and give some other oversight other than the mayor, such as the police department had a police commission, the fire department had a fire commission, the parks department has a, a commission. So there are various departments that do have a second layer of oversight uh, uh, independent of the mayor, even though they're appointed by the mayor because uh, those who created the charter felt like it was needed. We're going to take this call and then we'll kind of get your response on that. Caller, you're on the air. Hello? Yes, you're on the air. Oh, hello. Um, I just wanted to say I moved here about 11 years ago. Uh, I thought Mayor Dominic Sano was a pretty good guy at that time. At this point, I just think he's been in office far too long. He's uh, just not responsive to the will of the people any longer. All right. Uh, so, so what does that mean in terms of uh, uh, what you're going to do in the next election? I'm meddling, but oh well. <laughs> well, I would like somebody else if we've got a you know a choice of, of people. Um, but anyway, um, getting back to who's running the police department. Obviously, the reason Claproot was put in is because uh, Sarno knew that he could control her. Um, you know, that's why he brought up somebody from in the force this time, I believe. Uh, she's somebody who knows him, somebody who he's worked with before. And I think just, uh, you know, obviously, like you say, is running the department at this time with her as a figurehead. Yeah, well, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the uh, appreciate your call. The um, the the need for national churches disappears uh, when they already have a handpicked person from the inside that they want to put in place. Um, uh, but let's let's go back to that um, that, that that question I posed uh, uh, before the call, and uh, I'll open the floor. You counselors can go ahead and take a stab at it. Re repeat it one more time for us, Bishop. 
So, so I'm, 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 I'm wondering. Um, first of all, we we were saying who held the department, who ran the department, but the charter provides an extra lay oversight for some particular um, um, departments of the city: the police department, the 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 fire department, um, uh, the parks department. Uh, they de- they deemed that it was necessary that that there be other voices, some other minds, some other people involved in running these departments other than just the mayor. Um, that was by charter. Um, they didn't. They did not want a single department head who reported to the directly to the mayor um, to run the police department. Uh, why then now is there the, this resistance to that? Because obviously there are certain departments where where it rises to the level because of the importance of, of, of transparency with the public um, that they that they have an oversight commission. I want people to feel what I feel. I want people to feel that energy that I, whatever it was. Yeah, it's on y'all. Well, Bishop, I think it. I think that it, it goes back to our original conversation around checks and balances. Uh, that's the reason why uh, we have multiple branches of government. Uh, that is the reason why some bodies do have other oversight commissions. Um, you know, of course, you know, we hope that everybody who runs for office runs with the best intentions. I know for myself, my colleagues, it's a great honor and privilege to serve the city of Springfield. But one of the things that makes us a better body is the fact that, for example, on the city council, there are 13 of us and we have different backgrounds, different experiences, whether that's professional or personal experiences. And we're able to come together and dialogue with that background in mind and be able to arrive at what we hope are the right decisions for the city of Springfield. And so that's why I was speaking earlier about breaking up the power, uh, not just in the police department, but in any area of government. And I, and I think that to your earlier point, who is running uh, the department, um, we are seeing very publicly play out um, personnel decisions. And I think that, that that represents some of the concern that, that many people have, um, including individuals who may be employed uh, by the police department. I think that, you know, everybody deserves a fair and transparent process. And I think that that's what we're hoping to put in place. Also, to, to the point about uh, the opportunity for um, the mayor to acquiesce to additional appointments, you know, I think that that would be a strong message that a mayor could send. Um, you are correct that in other boards and commissions, um, there has been that acquiescence, although it is not uh, at this point legally required, um, it would set a strong precedent for the future. But what, what our goal is, or at least uh, you know, many of us, in terms of codifying this in the law, is we also want to recognize that someday uh, the three of us will not be on the city council. Someday we may have a different mayor, and we want as much as can be legally upheld codified in the law so that there is not uh, issues changing on the whim of who is in office. Right now, um, you know, what is in practice is in place by executive order, and anybody could change that at any time uh, with very little community input. So, um, you know, I agree that hopefully once we move past this this impasse that we are at, we may be able to discuss uh, with the community, with other elected officials, trying to um, make sure we have the best system in place possible but the reason for us retaining legal counsel is the fact that we've just come to the point where where we're so stuck um, that, you know, the city council is not being allowed to exercise its legal authority. Uh, it's making it very difficult for us to advocate for our constituents. And we need 
the third branch of government, the judiciary, uh, if, if possible, and if necessary, after we receive our legal opinions, to step in and, and essentially resolve that conflict and allow us to move forward. Uh, Bishop, the, the, you, you, asked about, you asked about the resistance um, for him wanting to have a police commission, and I think it's all about control. I mean, what else could it be? Um, he wants to control the situation. He wants to control the police department. He wants to control the narrative. And we, we witnessed that last week when he didn't accept um, your invitation to the real roundtable discussion and, and created his own where he didn't answer the community's question, but answered three or four questions that he chose that he wanted to answer um, the way he wanted to answer. He always he wanted to control the narrative with the um marijuana selection committee. So he put one city councilor on there, which was me and the rest were department heads from the city. Um, even if I voted against anything, it wouldn't have made a difference. I know it was a fair process. Um, we went through the process. It was a fair process because I would have um, um, been a whistleblower or something if it wasn't. But um, uh, just, but in, in the instance, there was no one from the community on the marijuana selection co um, committee. And that's to select the uh, retail marijuana establishments, and there was one city councilor, and he just approved another one, um, and I think that will be coming out later. But um, it's always being being in control, and I think um, that that's the main reason that we're getting the resistance here, because he cannot control the narrative um, as easily with five people as he can with one. And so I just wanted to um, directly answer your question on why I think the resistance is there. And, and, and let's be real, Bishop. He, he doesn't want to be held accountable. Uh, he doesn't want other people to be involved in the decision making. And the, the, the sad part about it is that you would think after so many missteps, he would want somebody else uh, to take some of the responsibility uh, for poor decision making. You would want somebody else to be involved in critical decisions that have such a significant impact on the community, because then it doesn't it, it, it shifts from uh, the mayor made this decision and it was poor to a group of uh, five people within the community made this decision. And so the onus and the burden falls off of the mayor, certainly to the degree, um, you know, certainly to a large extent. And so it would just seem to me that it, you know, it would make sense. And if the mayor, whoever was advising the mayor, in my opinion, is, is doing a poor job because now the mayor has an opportunity to embrace the community. And the fact that he chooses not to, uh, considering everything else that he has done uh, with respect to the police department has failed miserably is beyond me. And it just shows the fact that, um, you know, his, his stubbornness, um, you know, is going to put the citizens uh, of Springfield potentially in jeopardy. And it's going to put those officers that are doing the right thing uh, and Jeopardy as well. So, you know, my hope is that with this lawsuit, um, potential lawsuit, uh, that you'll see a change of opinion uh, from Mayor Sarno uh, and he'll start embracing the attitudes um, and the desires of the community as opposed to fighting them uh, so significantly. So there's certain things that I think any civilian review board should be doing. Um, none of which this current Paper Tiger Complaint Review Board uh, has done. I, I think they ought to be promoting community awareness uh, as to the opportunity of citizens to file a complaint uh, concerning police misconduct. They ought to be telling people how, how you get a complaint to us. They ought to be disseminating information as to how and where 
they can do that. They should be educating the public um, regarding their rights and dealing with the police. They should be making concrete recommendations about police policies, about procedures. They should be suggesting improvements in training. They should be alerting police administrators as the steps that they should take to curb abuse. Uh, they should be providing recommendations to how future abuse might be prevented. They should be holding regular meetings that are open to the public so that citizens, that representatives of organizations could voice criticisms, they could make proposals, they could introduce resolutions, um, that they should be utilizing uh, all kinds of methods to ensure um, that the public is engaged and involved. They should be publishing semi-annual reports that, that should be listing the number of complaints received, the complaints that were investigated, the hearings that were held, the complaints that were withdrawn, um, the local, state, federal cases that were filed against the police department, the disposition of those complaints. When's the last time you guys have seen a report, uh, have, have, have been invited to a meeting, have heard anything out of this complaint review board that the mayor keeps tooting his horn about. That nobody seems to know that they exist, what they do, when they, I mean, they filed uh, 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 a report uh, once upon a time, and then they filed another one like 18 months later, and, and then the public has never been aware of any of these reports or this information that they have. Have you guys, as, as the legislative body of the city, been in communication with this complaint review board? I actually have. Um, last year, we were, I was invited to a closed meeting um, that the mayor's office selected the participants in the community, the civilian review board. I don't know what they're called. Um, hearings board was there and the mayor um, appointed another female to the board because it was only one. It was Pastor Gail Hill originally. And then someone else was added to the review board. Um, and we had an opportunity to um, talk about what we wanted to see um, at that meeting. But there was no follow up after that. Um, what we asked to see from a community standpoint wasn't implemented. Um, I think that was just to codify questions about what this uh, review board does. And because there was um, folks going around talking about the commun board, community review board in the in the community, um, they had to do something, so they had this meeting with um, uh, black folks from the community, and I, I haven't seen any changes. I don't see them educating the community on anything. I don't see them publicizing anything. I haven't seen any reports. I haven't seen any of the asks from that meeting, so I'm not really sure um, what the benefit is of having this community police hearing hearing board because even if they make a suggestion, which that's all it is based on um, internal investigations or a um, misconduct complaint, doesn't mean it has to even um, be, go any further than what they suggest. So um, I don't think that's that meaningful. You, you said that you were invited to something last year and, and I'm sure I'm just speculating it was in response to something that the, the community was complaining or something like that. Here's my thing. 
why is it that the only time we hear from these entities or from the administration around these issues is when there's some type of civil unrest, some type of incident that happens? Why is it always in response to something as opposed to not a matter of policy and transparency to consistently communicate uh, with the community? And, and we got to wait till a George Floyd gets murdered uh, before we have another roundtable. Uh, when the, the last roundtable was a year ago with no follow up from that roundtable. And now we have a roundtable you know, a year later in response to this, um, why, why is, why is administrative reactive and not proactive? And once again, uh, have you other counselors heard from this complaint review board? Bishop, let me just add to that. The only time I've heard from, uh, any member of the, uh, community hearings review board was when we were critical of them. Uh, and that was one time probably about a year ago. Uh, when we were having a similar conversation around something that the administration was being reactive to and, you know, always wants to point to the community police hearing review board uh, and, and a reactive response as to being proactive. And my biggest issue is that we don't hear from them. Uh, and the idea that we don't hear from them is problematic in and of itself. There are a ton of issues that have happened in the city of Springfield over the course of the last four to five years. And I haven't heard from them once, one time. Have I heard um, from them? And it's been in response to my criticism of the entire community uh, police hearing review board. So, um, you know, the idea that they can't say anything, highlight the process for us again, even if you can't do anything at the moment, highlight the process. Why does everything have to be uh, so covetous in terms of getting that communication out to the citizens of Springfield? People are asking for 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 information. Uh, for an alternative, for uh, an explanation as to what this community police hearing review board actually does, somebody say something and not the mayor who ought not be the face of the community police hearing review board. That's problematic in and of itself, especially considering his stand recently. You're, 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 I think, I think if I'm right, you're the senior member out of the three councilors that are on here. How long have you been on the council? Six years. You've been on the council six years and you said you heard from the complaint review board one time. One time I heard from the chair and that was in response to uh, that was in response to my critique of them. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I've, I've heard uh, Denise Jordan on a couple of occasions defend the community police hearing review board. But I have yet to hear from the board themselves. And I know she played a role on there. I know she was, the, I think, at one point in time was the administrative the um, administration's sort of representative uh, on that board and helped to spearhead some of the information and collecting of the data and so forth. But the board itself, I didn't hear from. And, and Bishop, if I, if I might, you know, I would submit also to the conversation that, you know, part of that is unfortunately structural. And that's part of the issue. This board exists ex almost exclusively to hear complaints and to submit a recommendation to the commissioner. And it's up to the commissioner as to whether or not they want to follow that recommendation. Um, Not only that, though, it's up to the commissioner what complaints they actually hear because they don't hear all complaints. And, and this is part this is part of the structural problem. So certainly we agree that, that the board that is in charge of uh, essentially civilian oversight should be out in the community, should be having those conversations, promoting it. Um, you know, I, I am sure that there are members of the, the civilian review board that, that we all know. Um, who have good intentions. But unfortunately, uh, that board uh, has not been given the mandate or the charge that it should have. And uh, a civilian police commission 
would have more of a mandate or a charge and leave open the opportunity for more community dialogue as to what their role should be. And, and, and one other thing I would add to you, because I know we may be coming up closer to the end, is, is another piece to this conversation that uh, some of our colleagues have highlighted in the debate is not only should people be concerned about civilian oversight of the police department to ensure a fair process for uh, both the people that are served by the police department and the officers, as Councilor Hurst said, who are doing their job and doing the right thing. Um, but the other piece that should concern every voter in the city of Springfield and every resident of the city of Springfield is the fact that the city council is the duly elected legislative body of this community. We are the representatives of the people that elect us. We have certain roles and responsibilities in government. And for the mayor to essentially selectively enforce the laws that he is comfortable with and ignore another law um, that has been put in place, properly voted on, his veto has been overridden, for him to ignore that law because it doesn't suit what his particular viewpoint is should be concerning to everybody. So not only do we need to resolve this to move forward with this very important conversation, but what about the next very important community issue that comes up or another aspect of this important community issue? Um, the people have sent their representatives to City Hall. The City Council is the closest elected body to the people, and we need to be able to do our job. Absolutely. that That's very Trumpish of him to decide what law he wants to obey and which law he doesn't. For those that are um, listening over the air on WTCC, I forgot y'all can't see the number, uh, 413-337-1867, 413-337-1867. You've got about uh, three more minutes if you want to chime in uh, or ask a question on the uh, program. Um, so yeah, that that in essence, Councillor Letterman is is the crux of the matter. That uh, there's been an ordinance passed by the duly elected legislative body of the city. It is the law, um, and the mayor, uh, with the support of his sycophantic um, city solicitor, have determined uh, that they don't have to comply. Um, the ordinance. They don't have to comply with the law, and so they're thumbing their nose at you um, and 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 going ahead with the current structure. Even the current structure is is illegal. Um, and so there are those who will who will try to criticize you for um, uh, for any legal action against the city, but at this point in time, what alternative do you have? So, so let me just add to that, Bishop. I, I think it. I think you're spot on. I think Councillor Letterman in raising the issue of what happens when the legislative body uh, puts a law on the books and the executive branch chooses not to enforce the law because they feel that it's invalid. There needs to be an opportunity for folks to get that particular case, uh, issue adjudicated so that we know and can settle once and for all who is right and who is wrong on this particular issue. And this is not going to be the last issue that uh, two different branches disagree on. And so the idea that you said that the solicitor um, and, and the mayor, uh, you know, or that the solicitor was the mayor's solicitor, unfortunately, is what we are dealing with. The solicitor is also appointed by the mayor. And so anytime there is a legal disagreement, 
it would only behoove the person who is appointed by the mayor, the person who uh, receives his job from the mayor to side with the mayor. And so um, for us to in turn get around that, our only alternative is to retain our own legal counsel to help us give us a second opinion. And I promise you this. Is, I mean, we're dealing with something similar when it came to the district chiefs. Uh, and, and, and whether residency was applicable to them. I disagreed with the, um, with the solicitor, uh, wholeheartedly on that issue and wanted to ultimately see it adjudicated, but had a very difficult time getting around, uh, our solicitor. And, and, um, you know, I, I happen to have a legal degree. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly able to do some things that maybe some of my other colleagues might not be able to do in terms of identifying when someone is wrong. Uh, I felt as though the solicitor was wrong, or at least it was up for discussion. And so when that occurs, we as a city council need an alternative. Bishop, when I joined the city council in September of 2018, this issue was um, talked about so much because I think it was December of 2018 when the veto um, override uh, was passed. And, and so we kept talking about it. And I said, well, what are we going to do? Because we keep talking about this issue, right? We know that um, we set the precedent. We said we were overriding the mayor's veto. This law should be implemented. I said, what? Because I don't have a law degree. I didn't know what to do. And so I asked the council in a committee meeting, what can we do instead of keep talking about this over and over again? And I think it was Councilor President Hurst that said, we have to have our own lawyer. And so I'm like, what are the steps to get it? <laughs> okay. And they was like, well, we could either have the money placed into the budget, which the administration isn't going to do. And from working in finance, I know that the administration is only going to put in the budget what the mayor allows. And so getting our own lawyer was definitely I, I hate to interrupt you. I'm gonna come right back to you. I gotta sign okay. off for WTCC, and then we'll, and then we'll continue with the online audience. Um, okay, no problem. Those, those who are listening on WTCC, um, thank you for listening. And until the next time I talk to you and you talk to me, always remember, God loves you, and so do I. Continue, Council Whitfield, and then I, I, before you guys uh, leave me, I, I've got I've got a question to ask you um, that's that's really based on something Councilor Hurst uh, just said. Continue, Councilor Whitfield. Okay, so where where I left off is that we could put the funds in the budget under the council um, line items um, to pay for a lawyer, but we know that the budget is first approved by the mayor before going to the um, city council. And with Corona and COVID-19 being here, we're bare bones. So they weren't going to add any type of 
even if it wasn't Corona, they weren't going to add any type of money for us to get our own legal representation. And so the next step was to ask for a pro bono lawyer. So, um, like in the past few weeks, that's what we've been doing. We've been ramping up, asking for um, pro bono representatives. And, and although we have this one, we have been approached by maybe four or five or six different legal teams that want to help us um, in this case because they know and they feel that the oversight um, of the police department is needed. We need to hold the police department accountable for all their actions. Um, the oversight of the agency will improve the quality and in the internal investigations of um, alleged misconduct. And so we had a bunch of people reach out to us. So I just wanted to say that um, I didn't know what to do. So I'm appreciative of the lawyers that we have on the city council. And I'm appreciative of us even discussing it and, and moving the ball forward because we could have stayed talking about it and, and communicating about it in, um, in our committee meetings. But we, we decided to just move forward and act on it. So, so, so. Uh, here's another question and I'll fix my picture. Don't y'all worry about that. But here's another question. It, it goes back to your, to your, um, um, your notion counselor, um, Hirsch, when you talked about the city solicitor, uh, being appointed by the mayor, uh, and there's inherent in, that, um, a conflict, um, uh, there's an inherent conflict, you have someone who's appointed by the mayor who's then asked to render a legal opinion uh, on behalf of the mayor, a legal opinion um, um, that will ultimately support what whatever the mayor's whims are in the place. We see the similar problem uh, with, with a police commissioner who reports to the mayor, whereas uh, the model that most of the experts say of civilian review is to have a board that will forge a relationship with local prosecutors as well as the offices of the state attorney general, the U.S. attorney, and other entities so that complaints that allege serious uh, police misconduct can be forwarded to relevant prosecuting agencies for appropriate action. So police commission can determine, you know what, this doesn't need to be in the hands of the internal view of the police department to investigate itself and go to the district attorney. We need to bring on some other entity that does not necessarily have a conflict, uh, which is what we see even in your case uh, with the, the city solicitor. How important is that, uh, especially in light of the fact that this whole Nathan Bill incident, if it wasn't for the state attorney general, we none of these 14 individuals uh would be under indictment right now i mean you have to start <laughs> off by acknowledging that there's a conflict right if we don't acknowledge that that an actual conflict exists um then you know we're we're, we're putting ourselves in a position to fail um, and, and make it much more difficult than it has to be. If you acknowledge that there is a conflict, then you can start taking the steps uh, towards uh, remediating that conflict, uh, whether it's with the IU having a difficult time investigating uh, their own officers or whether it's the district attorney who in the Nathan Bills incident did an absolutely dismal job in terms of investigating uh, or at least it appears that way uh, and holding his own account uh, uh, holding his own 
uh, accountable and and probably not doing so because he needs them to testify in uh, other cases uh, that might be unrelated to to police brutality. Um, and, and, you know, the fact that you have a commissioner who is not going to, even if she has all of the information, hold their own officers accountable as well. Uh, and a mayor in the same light is is extremely problematic. So having some sort of independent body uh, when there is an obvious conflict that we can just kick it up to to remove them from the chaos of the battlefield uh, and having to make decisions that is difficult as leaders. I mean, they probably don't want to hold their own accountable. So let's let's create an independent body to do so. And to me, um, that only makes sense. And if you don't want to take those steps, it's because you haven't recognized or you refuse to recognize that there is a conflict uh, and you want to have control when there is an obvious conflict and folks are wrong. And that's my point, control. It has nothing to do with not recognizing the obvious conflict because we know it's a conflict, but you cannot control the situation or the narrative if we have our own um, representation. And I think anytime we disagree with the mayor's decision and we have the legal backing to um, support whatever is being put forward, we should have our own legal representation period because the if if someone is paying my check that is paying for my household and they're they're signing on the dotted line where is my loyalty going to stand in every situation so it's clearly a conflict and if you don't see the conflict then you don't need to be in that position of um government and it's all about control it's all about control in the narrative the situation the outcome and that has got to change and this is going to be the point where we start that change and we will continue it until we get some money in the budget. And we're going to ask for it every year um, to have our own representation, legal representation in these type of situations. There is no other way around it. This has been going on for too long. And if I may, Bishop, um, you know, to that point, this is not the first time that there has been a major legal dispute uh, between the administration and the city council. Um, that involves broad members of the community coming in and, and expressing their will uh, and the council attempting to advocate for them. If you think back uh, to a, a campaign yourself and myself were involved in uh, 10 years ago, which was the, the campaign against the construction demolition waste incinerator in the city. And the city council ended up in the exact same position where the solicitor said, you don't have the authority to do what you want to do. I will not represent you if you do it. And uh, and they had to go out and seek. This was prior to my election, but I was involved as an activist, as were you. They had to similarly go out and seek pro bono counsel. They were lucky enough to be advised by a former city solicitor who happened to be a former city councilor. Um, but this represents a real breakdown in local government. Um, the fact that the city council does not have uh, legal representation uh, that of which is exclusively advising the city council. And, and let me be clear. We have some very fine attorneys in the law department. They have helped us with many different issues um, that are not as controversial. Um, when we request assistance, of course, uh, attorney uh, Davis, who we later appointed to become our, our city clerk, um, other attorneys who, who have done excellent legislative drafting with us. We appreciate them. But ultimately, uh, they uh, answer to the city solicitor who answers to the mayor. If it was up to me, what you would have is a city solicitor who is in charge of the legal representation of the city of Springfield. And then on retainer, you would have legal counsel to the mayor and legal counsel to the city council. And, and that I, 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 I happen to think the proper. I happen to think, I happen to think the city solicitor should be elected. 
that that's my own my own opinion uh that would give them the independence of action to run that department um and to represent the various arms of the city as they deem necessary and not and not have to report directly um to the mayor but but that would that would that would need a whole charter change and the whole nine but I would well, submit to residents who might be listening that that although it doesn't, it might not sound um, like the highest priority to hire a bunch of lawyers. You want your elected officials to be acting with the best legal advice possible, and we we work for the people. We need to make sure that we uh, you know have the best advice possible when we're moving forward. So I would submit it will make government work better when we are all properly represented. And in other communities, city councils do have their own legal counsel, and when there is a dispute. They file a they file a, a motion for summary judgment or or the proper legal term and a judge rules and it doesn't take five years so they're able to move forward with the next the next issue on behalf of the people. And so I also just want to say we... kudos to the council. You know the fact that the council has come together on this um, this very significant issue and has kind of pressed the envelope. You know it just doesn't happen often. And the fact that the council has had the courage to say enough is enough uh, as a result of all of the citizens input and everything else that is happening around us, in my opinion, is impressive and they deserve a lot of credit. So where do we go from here? Councils? I'll, 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 I'll close you out all out with that question and let you go. Um, where do we go from here? You all, you all have obtained legal representation, what are the next steps? And then how can the community get involved in these efforts to bring forth true civilian review? So, so I'll just say that we have we have 10 days to see what the mayor is going to do in my conversations with Attorney Davis. And so the mayor likely uh, will veto the order that we just sent up to him. And the, the next step for the city council would be uh, to in turn override that veto and have that order uh, go into effect uh, shortly after our override, uh, which would allow us to engage counsel, um, who ultimately then would, uh, you know, research uh, whether we have a leg to stand on. And, um, you know, if we can't negotiate a settlement uh, prior to having this adjudicated in court, we would in turn find ourselves in court. And in the meantime, Bishop, people should continue to reach out to the mayor's administration. The mayor still has the opportunity to do the right thing here, to, to acquiesce uh, to the, the authority of the council and engage with the council as to how uh, we can even further improve uh, the ordinance that we may have passed. So I encourage folks, reach out to the mayor, let him know you support an independent civilian police commission. Um, and ask him to work with your elected representatives in the city council uh, to be able to put this in place. Obviously, if we can move forward uh, with uh, with that that process, that's what we'd like to do. But we, I will be very clear. I will not hesitate to vote to sue the mayor over enforcement of this ordinance because I think it is key to making sure that we actually have the the will of the people uh, seen in the city of Springfield and move past this impasse. And I'm going to um, agree with that. I have had um, individuals reach out from the community asking what they can do to um, support us now that we have lawyers. Um, and I just want to echo with what Councillor Letterman said. Continue to write the mayor. Continue to put the pressure. We are your representatives. And so is he. <laughs> just because he's the mayor, he's still your representative. You still voted him in. So he needs to do what's right by the community and by all people and not just certain communities and what he feel is right. 
that's just not how um, um, local government works. It's not how government works overall. He's supposed to work for the people. So continue to put the pressure. Call the mayor's office, write letters, send emails, you know, just continue the pressure. All right. I want to thank each of you. I know you guys have busy schedules. And so thank you for taking out the time to be with me uh, on this morning. And the best to you and your efforts to bring the civilian review to our to our great city. Thank you for having us and thank you for continuing the conversations. Bishop, you um, are very active um, and needed voice in the community and we appreciate everything. I learned so much from you just from watching your shows and listening to you. Um, You're a plethora of information and we're just um, glad that you are on the right side of the uh, fence. I try. Yeah. I try real hard. <laughs> I was about to say we 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 need you, Bishop. Um, we need you to keep fighting on behalf of the people that you that that you represent, which are our people as well. And you're doing a phenomenal job. And for some of us who are new to this, uh, whether it's protesting or whether it's just being vocal against what is wrong in the city of Springfield, uh, having your advice and and watching your leadership. Uh, it's just, you know, it's a great thing to see for myself. And, you know, you serve as an advisor for many of us. Yeah, you give me a lot of courage. So thank you very much. Yeah, Bishop, thank you very much for having us on and, and helping us also to do the community education. You know, mm-hmm. one piece is this has been going on for so long. Um, while there are many who certainly have expressed support for the police commission, there are others who are still looking for more information about what that proposal looks like. And so this is really key for us and certainly uh, your efforts and advocacy, not only on this issue, but issues across the board. Always appreciative. And I'll look forward to the day, too, uh, when we can uh, you know, be able to attend some of the more events, uh, some more events at your church. Certainly COVID-19. I know you have some great annual events I've had a chance to attend in the past and uh, we miss them. We're looking forward to coming back together with you and your congregation and, of course, uh, the NAACP. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm sure we'll be talking again real soon. Very short. (laughs) (laughs) Take it easy, everyone. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks. All right. Um, Those were our illustrious city councilors, our city council president, Justin Hurst, city councilor, uh, Tracy Whitfield, city councilor, um, Jesse Letterman, um, talking about um, um, their efforts to bring about civilian review here in the city of Springfield. Um, good morning to all of you who are just tuning in or still tuning in or who have been with me uh, the entire time. I see I got Baton Rouge, Louisiana uh, in the house. Chris, um, Jarrell. Uh, I see Taisha Ware, Barry Maloney. Um, I don't want to start naming names because it's too many of you to name, but good morning to every single one of you uh, that are out here. I'll be on with you uh, for another 14 minutes. So um, I'll take your um, telephone calls if you want to call in. 413-337-186. Seven, uh, and then I highlight some of your comments. See what you all have been chatting about as I've been chatting uh, with my guests. Um, professional liability insurance, body cams, uh, report citizens' encounters, no legal 
immunity dismantle the union that's important right there man i'm telling you that union is a monster um in terms of ensuring um a lack of accountability um, by the police department uh, all right i see you there niece uh taisha i see you there trying to give out that information portland oregon is in the house yeah well, rep your city rep your town where you where you where you guys in in here from uh i see portland oregon up in the house i see um uh, who else is up in here Baton Rouge, Louisiana, is in just here. As you don't know how you manage to be conscious, how you manage to grow and shape this body of Who else we got up in here? That doesn't mean to say that you're not doing it. Equally, you don't know is there any place where we can read the exact language of the proposed ordinance um attorney baldwin uh, it's actually an ordinance that has already passed um and i'm certain if you go on the city website uh, to the city council any of those councilors that were on with me today uh council president hearst councilor letterman councilor whitfield they can get you the information on the ordinance that was passed. The ordinance passed. The mayor vetoed the ordinance. The city council overrode his veto. So that information uh, is definitely out there and available um, for those who want who want to see. Charles Stokes says the mayor has no respect for our community. We're hoping it happens soon. It is a big priority. We need to break up the monopoly of power. You know, that, see, but that requires a charter change. If you want to, if you want to move from the strong mayor form of government, uh, it would it would need a charter change, which means which is a massive effort. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, the the number of signatures you have to get from registered voters, um, then you have to have it on the ballot in an election, et cetera, et cetera. It's it, it's it's the last time the ch charter was changed to the current system was in 1961, I think it was. Uh, and that effort was spearheaded by uh, former mayor Charlie Ryan, um, who was the first mayor elected under the strong mayor charter after he led the effort to change the charter. Uh, there has not been another successful effort to change the charter since then. Um, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't. I'm just saying that if that's something that you all want to do, you have to understand the sacrifice and the effort is going to take to do it um, and as 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 uh, Joe Madison always says the difference between uh, a moment and a movement is sacrifice are we willing to sacrifice our time 
our talent and our resources to make these things happen. Um, that that that's the question. What are we willing to sacrifice? Acknowledge the conflict. Let's see. Interview the legal teams carefully to get the person uh, who will fight the hardest. Yes. Yes. How do we get the world out there in regards to the uh, the police commission? If we do get the civilian police commission, who sits on the board? Also, what are the ways we can press the mayor about bringing it back? Uh, you got to be vocal. You got to let the mayor know um, what you want. You all have to flood his emails, flood his... Look, y'all to jam up his telephone system and let every call that comes in there be about the police commission um, that you need him to comply uh, with the law with the law um, you know um, holding elected officials accountable is our job our job how do we get on the board first we got to get the board in place let's get the board in place and then we can uh, we can worry about getting on the board. Okay, I can tell by the fact that your name is Tupac Lives, and you have no picture, and you're talking about Chicago, that you're a white supremacist who is trolling my uh, Periscope. <laughs> You guys spend a lot of time trolling my periscope. You ain't got nothing better to do. Here's another one. No picture. Deborah, where's your picture? And what does Obama have to do with a police commission in Springfield. <sighs> Some of y'all be all over the place, man. Stay on task. Stay on point. All right? Stay on point. Charles Stokes is quoting the late, great Frederick Douglass. Power concedes nothing without a demand. Power concedes nothing without a demand. That was true when he said it. That's true right now. As citizens, we need to educate ourselves. That's right. Get educated. Okay, information. That's a good question. Information on joining the local NAACP. Go to our website. It's NAACP Springfield.org. NAACP Springfield.org. Okay. Um, our virtual meeting 
will be tomorrow and you'll see information will pop up on my social media sites as to how to zoom in um, to those we have those every fourth Tuesday right now we're doing them virtually because of COVID-19 under normal circumstances we hold those meetings at the Spring of Hope Church uh, but you can go to naacpspringfield.org there you can uh, click on uh, information about membership um, and you can join you can actually pay your $30 membership right there using PayPal um, to become a bonafide member and then just get involved uh, get involved come to the meetings uh, get involved in subcommittees uh, we love to have each and every one of you um, that are inclined to get involved uh, and to give us of your time your talents and your resources uh, we welcome you uh, to be a member of the NAACP the law school has a new center for social justice uh, really really I'm definitely interested let's connect I, I believe you still have my number uh, Dr. Baldwin, it has not changed. Um, so definitely, um, let's connect and let's make it happen. Let's, let's make it happen. Let me see what my wife wants. She she knows I'm on the radio, but I, I'm sorry, y'all. Hello. Yes. Okay. All right. Not yet, but I'll call you back. All right. So when your wife calls you from upstairs <laughs> three or four times, uh, you got to answer the phone. Um, yes, Dr. Baldwin, let's definitely connect. Mark Dorsey, thank you, friend. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. I'm sure we can we can find out other information from the counselors. Um, I know if I know if you, I know Counselor Letterman is very active on social media. And he he puts out a lot of good information about what's happening um, on the council and, and what he's doing um, individually as a counselor. If you go to his Instagram. Uh, I'm sure it's probably on his Facebook, but he, he definitely puts that information out there. And I'm sure Counselor Hurst and Whitfield and others um, um, would be readily available to provide you the information um, that you might need. So listen, let me uh, let me get this graphic up here because I got to close out this program. I got all kinds of meetings. I don't know why they pick Monday as the meeting date for everything but listen um there is here it is let me get this number out of here and let me get this graphic up because y'all need to be down with this right here that's all it is. Yeah. I make it so, so it's like to be taken for anything else. Do y'all see this right here? 
I'm inviting every one of you to come out to the Bishop's Barbecue. The family is coming together. There's going to be no raisins in the potato salad. Okay? Just truth served hot off the grill. We're going to be having conversations about race in America for the next three Wednesdays at 9 p.m. We'll be streaming live here on Facebook and on YouTube. Some of the most brilliant minds in America. Okay? Y'all don't want to miss it. Y'all don't miss it. For real, for real. So, so, just look at the lineup. I mean, look at the lineup. Okay, I got Dr. Freddie Haynes and Bishop Rudolph McKissick this Wednesday at 9 p.m. Monsters. Uh, I mean, great preachers, great pastors, um, actively involved in their communities. Um, y'all don't want to miss. And, and those of you all who were at uh, Dr. Haynes here uh, for one of our Freedom Fund banquets, uh, you all have been requesting him ever since. And guess what? We're doing a we're doing our Freedom Fund virtually this year on the same date that we were going to have the banquet on September 17th. You just won't get a meal. You can cook your meal and eat it during during our uh, Freedom Fund virtual um, symposium. Uh, he is going to be the keynote speaker at that as well this year because you guys kept asking us to get him back. But he's going to be with me this Wednesday at 9 p.m. with, with Bishop Rudolph McKissick. I got Pastor Michael McBride of Live Free, Mass for the People. He just testified before Congress uh, as a police brutality survivor talking about defunding the police. Pastor McBride is going to be with me. Actress uh, Alyssa Milano. How many Charmed fans do we have out there? Uh, she's going to be with me. The Reverend Nelson Rivers III who was the um, um, community engagement director for the national NAACP. Now he works National Action Network. Uh, very connected, well-respected activist uh, down in Charleston, South Carolina. He's going to be a uh, guest with me. Tim Wise, I've had him at my lecture series several times. You all know him, uh, author, anti-racism activist, Tim Wise is going to be one of my guests. Uh, Dr. Keisha Blaine, a renowned uh, academician, uh, author. You can catch her columns in the, in the Washington Post uh, and various other um, uh, publications, powerful pieces uh, that she continues to put out there to the public. She's going to be with me. And Karen Hunter, Sirius XM, the Karen Hunter Show, a professor at Hunter College. Um, I've had her at my lecture series as well. She's going to be with me as well. Um, listen, y'all want to be with me the next three Wednesday nights at the Bishop's Barbecue. 
right? We're serving up truth hot off the grill. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. Y'all need to get that graphic. Y'all need to share that graphic with everybody. Um, Because listen, man, it's going to be off the chain. For real. I mean, seriously, I ain't bragging or boasting. I'm just saying um, that it is what it is. That uh, rarely do you get this level of brilliance um, and professionalism in one place. Um, So take advantage of it. Um, We got it happening right here. Everybody can be a part of it. So join me for the Bishop Barbecue. You're invited. You can bring Pookie and and Ray Ray Nim and, and whoever. Uh, you got to bring your own drinks. <laughs> uh, uh, bring a dish, whatever the case may be. But it's Wednesday at 9 p.m. We'll be streaming live. Uh, I'm working on one more uh, guest. I'm hoping that um, we can get him on. Um um, I'm trying to get to uh, see if I can add uh, Dr. Michael Eric Tyson to the mix, uh, and that'll complete my uh, cadre of experts. Um, but you guys don't want to miss this, okay? Right, family? Listen, so check me out it's again Wednesday. Um, well, tomorrow at 6.30, NAACP. Um uh, monthly membership meeting on Wednesday. The Bishop's Barbecue is happening. Thursday we do Bishop Swan live, as we do every Thursday, and then on Sunday uh, we'll be streaming live our worship celebration at eleven o'clock a.m. Uh, so I got to get out your way. Always a pleasure to be with you, Springfield. Until the next time I talk to you and you talk to me, always remember, God loves you, and so do I.